I don't know if you'd call what I'm going to do tonight um, a teaching. I certainly wouldn't call it a sermon. It's more of more of a testimony. Um, God's been doing something, something in me. Um, it began just before our Christmas break at the Masters Institute. I was actually surprised by a question that was put to me by a co-worker. Her name is Kendra. I think we were walking back from chapel on a Thursday afternoon, and we were standing in the uh, lobby at uh, North Heights Roseville campus, and she said, Mac, do you, do you have a, a real sense of God's delight in you, that he really enjoys you? And if I was going to answer honestly, I, and I decided to, I had to say, no, that, that's not in my wheelhouse. I give that kind of thinking the theological nod. I wouldn't debate with anyone about it, but it's not how I think. It's not where I live. And she said, I'm going to pray that the Father makes that real to you. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I should probably start praying about it too. And she, she cautioned me. She said, just don't work at it. She knows I like to spend time uh, before the Lord on the floor on my back, um, laying in front of my wood, my wood stove. Uh, we can heat our small home with, with wood. It's got a little glass front, so I get to watch the, the fire. And so since that time, just what, seven weeks or so ago, I've been having a gradual awakening, and uh, I've been meditating on on scripture passages that are that are familiar to New Testament believers, they've been familiar to me. But I found that I haven't been paying attention to them. First John three, one. Behold, what manner of love the Father has given to us. Behold, which means pay attention. Pay attention. Listen. To what manner of love God has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and we are. Chapter 4, verse 10 of 1 John. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Ephesians three eighteen and 19. I'm going to, rather than just opening to them, um, when God calls my attention to particular texts. I, I usually write them down in a piece of paper that I can carry around with me and review from time to time. And this is from Ephesians uh, in the New Living Translation. Paul says, May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to be understood fully. May you experience the love of Christ. The, the way this is typically translated is, may you know the love of Christ. And the word there that's translated know actually does mean experience. To know experientially. May you experientially know the love of Christ, even though it's too great to understand fully. The message 
Sounds pretty good, too. And I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. John seventeen twenty three. This text actually surprised me. I'm pretty familiar with this passage. Um, have heard many sermons on it. It's never. Um, I've never heard a sermon addressed on a particular thing. I want to point out to you tonight. At least when this verse is quoted, it's the passage where Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, he's in the upper room, his final night with his disciples. His disciples get to eavesdrop on this prayer. He's already said that he's praying for his then-current disciples and the future disciples, all who will come to believe through their word. That includes us. And to his Father, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may be completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me. And that's usually where I stop. I've emphasized that God wants unity, not uniformity in the body of Christ because it's, it's a compelling testimony that Jesus isn't just another man. The Father sent Jesus. But then Jesus said this, and this is what I haven't been paying attention to. After he says that the, that the world may know that you have sent me, he adds, and have loved them even as you loved me. Has it ever occurred to you that you are loved personally and individually with the same love with which the Father loves the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Here, Jesus is not simply talking about the church collectively, but each Christian individually. I'm praying for those who will come to believe in me through their witness. And I'm praying for these who are here. He's praying for all of us individually, not just the body of Christ collectively. And then I'm seeing texts that I've read many, many times and passed right over. I'm seeing that Christians are individually, not just the body of Christ corporately. God's beloved. He uses that language. Colossians 3.2 Paul tells the Colossians, they're God's chosen ones and they're holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. Second Thessalonians 2.13 Brothers and sisters, individual Christians, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord. Jude 1 To those who are called, who are the beloved in God the Father. That sounds encouraging to me. I've been finding myself meditating on these and others. Luke fifteen ten, the parable or fifteen twenty, the parable of the prodigal son, where the, the father sees the son as he's returning home. And do you understand that this son who returned home was not returning home repentant? He was continuing in his self serving ways. He was hungry. He realized in a pig pen that if he forfeited the hope of sonship, he could live as a servant and have a roof over his head and three square meals a day. He prepared a speech to that effect. He knew the right things to say. 
But his father saw him from a distance. This boy who had shamed the family when he had asked for his share of the inheritance, essentially what he was saying to his father. At least Jesus' first century listeners understood this. They were horrified by this parable. He essentially said, I wish you were dead. The whole community would know. The village would know. Word would spread quickly. Jesus' listeners were not only shocked that a son would ask for that, they were shocked that a father would deliver it. He liquidated his assets and imperiled the financial stability of the family in order to make that distribution. And the son left and squandered it. And the father's heart kept beating for the son. And he saw him. He kept glancing at that horizon. And he saw him while he was still a long way off. And what did this patriarch do? He ran. Patriarchs don't run. Little boys run. Servants run. Patriarchs don't run. He ran to his son. Jesus was telling this parable to teach his first century listeners that God is nothing like they think he is, and he's especially nothing like they are. This father did not meet that boy with a set of conditions. He embraced him. He fell on him. He kissed him. He demanded that the servants put a robe, probably from his own wardrobe, on his son and a ring of his, on his finger, indicating what? You are, you are reestablished as an heir in this family. I will hear nothing of you being a servant. You are now and forever, always have been, always will be my son. You're my boy. Jesus wanted his first century listeners to understand that's how good God is. That's how God feels about you. And that's how He feels about me. And I've been in this way of faith now. In March, it'll be 41 years. Been studying the Bible for 41 years. I've been a person who's aimed through prayer to connect with Jesus and for 41 years and connect with others in close fellowship for all these years, and I've missed this. I've paid an awful lot of attention to discipleship, and I've inadvertently divorced sonship from discipleship. It's, it's very possible, I would say even likely, that when you fixate on discipleship, you will make the same mistake that I have made. And you will, you will be all about the various things that are related to being a disciple. Being a disciple is essential. But if you want to be an outstanding disciple, understand you are a daughter and you are a son. My kids are adults now. And uh, in the last two years, I've had two experiences with my adult boys where they did something for me that completely took me by surprise. I didn't think it was out of their character, 
I just wasn't expecting it. I took some vacation days to, uh, to paint my house. And I actually like painting. And I get to see the progress that you make. And um, I had all of my equipment ready. I was dressed for it. And to my surprise, I see my boys pull up in a car together. They've got their work clothes on. They, too, have taken vacation days. And they get out of the car, and they said, Dad, we're painting your house. And I said, that's great. Um, I look forward to working with you. They said, no, you don't get it. You're fired. I said, but I, I like this. We don't care. You're fired. And they painted my house. And a couple of weeks ago, actually more than a couple of weeks ago now, maybe a, a month ago, I was out splitting some logs in my front yard and my boys pull up with a load of solid oak that they'd cut down in my oldest son's father-in-law's front lawn, I'm just kidding, um, in his woods. And, uh, and they won't let me lift anything off of the truck. They want to split it and stack it and haul it for me. You see, I could have hired people to do those things. I could have paid people to do those things. Nobody can outperform a son or a daughter who loves their dad. Sonship makes discipleship easy. Easy. If you focus on discipleship, it's very possible you lose sight that you're a daughter and that you're a son. I want to share with you a 3 minute and 42 second YouTube video that's all ready. It's a video of Brennan Manning. Uh, Brennan embodies this message. I think Henry Nowen embodied that message. I think, I think Graham Cook embodies this message. Um, I do not yet embody this message. I'm not making any pretense that I have arrived. I'm just sharing from my journey. Watch what Brennan says and see if what he says grips you like it did me. God's character, isn't it? God is love. First John 4, 8, verse 16 says the same thing. God got his love. It's the essence of his character. Even when you talk about the fact that God is holy, God's holiness is not a polar opposite. It flows out of his love. It's not divorced from his love. God's essence is love. It's the essence of the gospel, isn't it? That we should be brought into union with Jesus. Isn't that what salvation is all about? Salvation is not primarily a contractual transaction. It's not just fire insurance. Salvation, more than anything, means union with God. Union with benefits. But union with God. And it's when we experience the God who is love increasingly and ongoingly that we really experience the gospel. And thereby we become very compelling witnesses of the gospel. I find myself paying attention to some symptoms 
that I'm not secure in his love. See if you find yourself in some of these symptoms. These symptoms are not unique to me. Self-recrimination. Perfectionism. Insecurity. Self-loathing. Low self-esteem. Insincerity. Ben and Manning says, living out of the false self creates a compulsive desire to present a perfect image to the public so that everybody will admire us and nobody will know us. Insincerity. Compulsivity. Just simply yielding to impulses. Chronic doubt about God's goodness. Hostility, volatility, pettiness, legalism, self-righteousness. Materialism, that is looking for life and stuff. Chronic anxiety. Can you relate? Would you like to experience God's love more fully? Me too. There's no formula. There's some principles. I want to ask you to be open to receive inner healing and perhaps some deliverance prayer. Unhealed wounds in the inner man cause us to build a wall around our soul. You may not even be consciously of the, aware of the things that keep you from experiencing God's love more fully than you have. But God wants to remove every obstacle. God wants you to know that he loves you just as you are and not as you should be. I would like to encourage you to meditate on, on Scripture. Certainly, do what you can do. Pray. Ask God to make this real to you. But understand that at some point, it's got to be God to take you from where you are to where you want to be. I feel very much like that guy by the, by the pool of Bethesda. I'm waiting for the waters to stir. And when I get up, or try to get up, somebody gets there ahead of me. And then Jesus appears. We need Jesus to do for us what we can't do for us. That's gospel, brothers and sisters. Jesus is always the initiator. Jesus is our deliverer, isn't He? Isn't He our, our true hope? So we really need to cast ourselves on His mercy. We need to be like Bartimaeus and, and even yell as we are there on the road waiting, worrying that Jesus might pass us by. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have you ever prayed such a simple prayer? Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a Christian. I'm one of those saved people. I'm one of those born-again, spirit-filled people. I talk in tongues. I read my Bible. I pray. I'm pretty serious about this. But I can't say I'm convinced that you love me as I am and not as it should be. Because I tr keep trying hard to prove to people that I'm worth loving. And I'm getting in your way. And I'm pretty good at that. So would you meet me here? Meet me here. Some time ago, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago, 
excuse me while I buckle my buckle. You can be embarrassed for me. It's just a really worthly, yes, thank you. It's a worthless belt. <laughs> but I don't know, maybe it was two years or so ago. I, I actually was a little proud of myself. I thought I made a special discovery. Uh, <laughs> nothing that was new to the church. Um, but it seemed to be new to me. For years and years as a pastor, I had been one of these guys who liked to talk about vision statements and purpose statements and casting vision and be all about the vision, be all about the mission of the Great Commission, right? I mean, that's good stuff. And as I was reading the Gospels, especially Mark's Gospel, where Jesus interacted with a student of the law, and he said, what's the commandment that matters most? And you know the rest of the story. He said, well, this is, this is it. To love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength. And he said, the second one's actually like it. It's love your neighbor as yourself. And I, th I began to think. I thought, you know, Lord, we, um, we Christians, we take a lot of pride in focusing on the Great Commission. And the Great Commission, obviously, is very important. But you could so thoroughly focus on the Great Commission that you don't pay any attention to the commands that Jesus said are foremost. And that's what I want to be about, because I think if I love God as I, as, 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 with all of my heart and mind and soul and strength and love my neighbor as myself, I'll somehow manage to keep the Great Commission. I'll pay attention to the things that, that move the heart of God. If I love my neighbor, I, I think I'll influence my neighbor toward Jesus. As true as that is, the focus is still on me. It's on me loving God. And 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us. You see, it's so easy to keep the focus on yourself in this Christian life and to sound biblical doing it. But that's really not gospel life. Gospel life is where you receive from the extravagant one, the God who's, who loves us in ways that, that go beyond our ability to describe it. And, and this isn't just abstract kind of love. This is a real kind of love that transforms people. It ruins them for anything else. I'm not here to say to you, and in these 41 years, I've never experienced the love of God. I certainly have. But I've been distracted by discipleship. And I find that I want to learn to be loved. I want to learn to be the object of God's affection. I think you do too. And you want to know something beautiful? This does not demotivate you doesn't make some kind of spiritual slug out of you. When you know you're accepted as you are, wow, you just begin to open up like a flower. How do you feel when you're treated with tenderness and acceptance? Do you pull back? Do you keep your arms closed across your chest? Or do you begin to bare your soul a little bit? 
and step a little bit forward, feel a little bit more confident, feel like revealing a little bit more about yourself. Isn't that true? That's the Christian life. The Father is running to us. He hears us say, it's okay, I'll just serve you. Just let me get to heaven, I'll be fine. He says, I'm not having any of that. You don't get me, do you? You think I'd accept that? I got much bigger plans for you. You're my daughter. You know, I was blessed to have two boys and two girls. Would have accepted a whole bunch more. But I can't begin to tell you how my heart swells with affection when I just look at my children. When I see it's them calling me on the phone. When I get a text. When they stop over, unexpected. Unless, of course, it's date night. Then that's different. They know not to stop over on date night. Oh, sorry, Dad. That's right. Saturday night. See ya. Goodbye. Ben and Sarah are holding in their arms a baby. Their precious child. Nothing can prepare you for that. Nothing can prepare you for the instant affection. The instant unconditional affection. This kid has not done a lick of homework yet. <laughs> this, this kid is completely dependent. Right? I mean... He'll be needing you to clean up after that little guy in every way. And you'll love it. You'll love it. Well, there's nothing more I can tell you. I just want to ask you tonight, if you would like an upgrade of an experience of this love that Paul said he was praying for the Ephesian believers to receive, I'm just going to ask you to stand and uh, put your your hands palm up is a symbol of humility and receptivity and dependence. And just in whatever way, if you want to pray with me, that's fine. I know there's prayer teams here. Father in heaven, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ, Blessed Trinity. Three persons, one essence. That one essence is love. We think sometimes we're pretty smart. We study your word. But Lord, studying the word is, is only going to help us if it leads to encounter how we need to experience this love that we've subscribed to theologically. How I want your love tonight. I need to experience your love, Lord. I've been trying to prove that I'm worthy of love all my life. I would like to surrender insecurity to you and fear and perfectionism and, and, and self-recrimination and self-doubt and anxiety and all the symptoms that are so evident in every person who is not perfected in love. I am not perfected in love. Go ahead and make that, that confession. Brendan Manning has said, what is... Denied cannot be healed. When you're in denial about something, you can't be healed. 
I need this love. You created me for love. You did not create me primarily for service. You have perfect angels to render service perfectly. You created me for union and fellowship and partnership and sonship and daughtership. And that's what I want. My heart longs for that. At some level, I've always known that's what this was about. I need you to meet me. Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I am crippled. I am lame. I cannot move myself toward this. I simply cry out and say, I need a miracle. I need the miracle of salvation. The salvation that really truly means God loves me as I am and not as I should be. I need that salvation experience. I need it now. That that love that heals Would you do that for me, Lord Jesus? Do that for every person here, Father. Every person who makes up this communitas family. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, we all need it. We're not too spiritually mature to say we need this most basic thing of Christianity. Have your way, Lord. God who is love. God who has shown us a gospel of love. Meet us here tonight, and may you receive the glory and the honor. If you agree with that prayer, would you, prayer, would you say amen? Amen. Draw me to your side And as I wait I'll rise up like the eagle I'll soar with you Your spirit leads me on by the power of your love Hold me close Let your love surround me Bring me near Draw me to And as I wait, I'll rise up like the eagles, and I will soar with you, and Spirit leads me on, and the power of your love. I know